What are some of your earliest thoughts about heaven? When you were a child, you surely knew heaven existed, and what did you know about it? Have those thoughts ever changed? Everybody wants to go to heaven, but nobody wants to go now. When I was a kid, we would sing songs in worship services about heaven. And even though the theology of it was maybe a little bit misguided, we sang of uh, streets of gold and, and stars on crowns and mansions uh, over the hilltop, those kinds of things. And we didn't feel guilty about this at all. In fact, it was later in my teenage years when I discovered why we were singing like this, because we were poor. I discovered in my teenage years that not everybody thinks about heaven in the same way. They have different concepts, and those concepts are generally form, informed by what they lack or want most on earth. So if you're poor, then heaven is plenty. If you're a slave, heaven is freedom. It's a home. If you're suffering, heaven is eternal rest. If you're lonely, you think of heaven as being joined with your friends who have gone before. If you're oppressed, marginalized, you think of heaven as being singing in joy. Let someone tell you what they love most about heaven and you'll get closer to what they're longing for on earth. When I was in my 20s, something changed in our language of heaven. It's not that we were singing about it differently. It's that we were not singing about it at all. It was as A.W. Tozer wrote, we were not getting ready to live. We were already living. We were not looking for a home. We were at home. And the best thing we could do was just rid ourselves of any inhibitions and live life to the fullest. And one day I slipped in the back of an old church and they had two hymnals in the pews. One of them was an old traditional dog-eared and worn out and the other one was contemporary and brand new and I was interested. So I pulled them out and looked in the index and sure enough, it confirmed my suspicions. The old hymnal had 20, 25 songs about heaven. The new one had three or four. And that difference between the two hymnals, the old one, and the new one more or less summarized what had happened in my life from my childhood to my 20s. We went from singing about it every Sunday night to singing about it hardly at all. Both hymnals, both churches seem to have made the same mistake. We thought of heaven as another place at another time. Heaven was always up and away. It was always later. So we talked about dying and going to heaven after we die. We talked about an altered state of reality that was nothing like the 
world that we lived in. And then all of a sudden, we just dropped it completely. When you listen to Jesus, you start to second guess a lot of ideas that you had about heaven. According to Jesus, the kingdom of heaven was near. And the word there means literally right in front of you. In fact, Jesus said in Luke, the kingdom of heaven is within you. Jesus said that the poor in spirit and those who are persecuted for righteousness sake and those who do the will of the Father, those who sell all they have and give to the poor, those who serve others and stay the least, in fact, children, he said, had entered heaven. He did not say they were going to heaven. He said, They'd entered heaven. Well, how could they be in heaven when they were already here on earth? Now, we knew all of these verses as a kid, but we interpreted them in the framework of heaven as another place at another time. I think the reason we did that was because we never took the ascension seriously. We believed in it. It was the end of the story where Jesus sort of wrapped everything up and then he just sort of rode off and left the Holy Spirit behind to clean up the details. But we never really took seriously what happened on the day Jesus ascended. The word Ascend is an old Latin term that literally means to rise or to go up. So when we think of the ascension, we're thinking about the body of Jesus rising and going into heaven. But what did this mean? Did anything change that was permanent? And how was that different than, say, the ascension of Moses or Muhammad? And and. And what was possible now that was not possible before? And where in the world is heaven? We didn't really bother with these questions. We just waited to die and then go off to heaven. When we think about the ascension, a couple of ideas are important. And later, in just a few minutes... I'm going to ask you to turn to other people in the room and have a good, serious discussion about heaven. And when you have that discussion, I think it will help you. You have to keep a couple of things in mind about the ascension or else you'll lose your balance quickly. One is that when Jesus left, he did not so much go up and away, went over. The ancients did not think of the universe as a three-tiered system with hell below and heaven above. And so to go into heaven never meant necessarily going up. It meant going over into another dimension or another sphere that ran alongside this one in real time. And so eternal life was not living in a city far away. 
It was the life of the eternal coming into your life here and now. It was the life of God, alive and active. Now, if you think of heaven as being over in a dimension next to your head, instead of far away in a place that you've never seen nor can imagine, you start to understand a lot of what happened in the Gospels. This explains why Jesus would say in John 14, I'm going away to prepare a place for you. And yet a few verses later, he would say, I will come and reveal myself to you. Well, he's thinking about the spirit, you say. He must have left. He meant, that's not what he said. He said later in verse 23, I will come and make my home with you. So how could he go away and make a place and yet come and live with us? Well, if heaven's far away, he can't. But if heaven is only another dimension that runs right alongside this one, he can do it easily. Why, he can disappear and then suddenly appear. And then when our eyes are opened, he could disappear again. In fact, that's exactly what he did in Luke 24. He seems to come and go whenever he wants. It's almost as if heaven and earth are not far removed from each other. It's like they're right across the hall with the doors flung open. This explains why Hebrews would say we are encompassed by, literally in the midst of, a cloud of witnesses. Those who have gone before then are not up in the gallery watching the real show on earth. They are, in fact, on earth. And we, the living, are among them. This is why, by the way, in church, the dead always get a vote. The second thing you got to remember is that when Jesus then ascended or went into the cloud, he went in his body. It wasn't just his spirit. It was his physical body. And so Luke would say that he took them outside and he held up his hands and blessed them. Spirits don't have hands. And while he was blessing them, he withdrew and was carried into heaven. So essential was the body to Jesus' spiritual life that he took it with him into heaven. Holes and all. So, Christian, no more nonsense about how the body weighs us down and we could be so spiritual if it just weren't for this thing. 
Remember, Jesus took his thing, marks, limitations, moods, flaws, not sins, with him into heaven. And then, says Hebrews, he sat all of that down at the right hand of the Almighty. And when he did that, everything changed. In heaven, God had never had humanity in him before. But he did on the ascension. The nature or character of God was infused with humanity. There was a human at the table sitting at the right hand of God. And everything in humanity changed because we had never been in heaven. But now, in the body of Christ, he took us up with him and sat us down. Now, the things I'm saying here right now seem to you deep. So some of you have already headed for the kitchen. But if you'll stay in the argument just a couple more minutes, I want to tell you what I believe are pastoral reflections on this, at least how it's changing my life. The last part of this that I want to um, set up is, uh, is, is by saying I used to think of it uh, differently. I used to think that when uh, Jesus left earth and then went into heaven and the Holy Spirit left heaven and came to earth, God and humanity swapped houses. Now we're living there and he's living here. And I realized that when Jesus came to earth, he never left heaven. He wouldn't need to, would he? This is why he would tell Nicodemus, the son of man, who descended is yet right now in heaven. That's why Paul would say in Ephesians chapter four that when he came down and when he went up, he filled the universe, both heaven and earth, with his glory. Augustine said he was formed by a mother, but he never left the father. Hilary of Poitiers said, so on earth he cried, and yet he was in heaven 
the boy grew and yet he was the immeasurable God. He descended and yet he did not descend. He remains what he always was and yet he was never what he is now. So Jesus never swapped houses. He simply added a second one. Now he was as comfortable on earth as he was in heaven. Well, the same thing is true of us then in the ascension, isn't it, Christian? It doesn't mean that we simply left earth and went up into heaven it means because the Holy Spirit who is in heaven and yet in us, we have two places now. We are as comfortable in heaven as we are on earth. This is why Paul would say, you are seated now in the heavenlies. Colossians chapter 3. All the while you are sitting here on earth, you are also in the heavens. So you are as comfortable in heaven as you ever were on earth. In heaven and earth, then, are not just two rooms across the hall where one leaves this one and goes into that one and then goes back into this one. Heaven and earth are joined. The union between heaven and earth is as indissoluble as the union between the Father and the Son. So you have two residents. You have one here in earth and you have another one in the heavens. And that's true at the same time. You never really leave one to go into the other. You're in both of them, even now. Well, the class is over. And there's a part of you that says, you know, every time we talk about this, I either uh, feel like I'm not very smart or I, 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 I feel like the whole conversation is just irrelevant. I assure you, it is not. A few things have affected me profoundly, especially at this season in my life, because Jesus has taken me with him into my other home, that have made this reality true and impactful in my life. One of them is this. If Jesus has gone into heaven and taken me with him, 
then there are things in heaven right now that I can use here on earth. This is why Peter would say, we have an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you who are being preserved for salvation in the last day. He's not thinking of heaven as the reward that comes later. He's thinking of heaven as a resource right now you can reach into and pull it into the present world. N.T. Wright says, when people come over to watch a game at my house, I tell them generally there's a drink for them in the fridge. I do not intend for them to crawl into the fridge to drink it. I expect them to reach into the fridge and pull it out and drink it with me in the living room. So Paul would say in Colossians 1.5 that faith and love are stored in heaven for you. That's supposed to die and go to heaven. To get it, you're supposed to reach into heaven right here and pull it out. And why do I say that? Because life is as hard for Christians as it is for non-Christians. And we're deceiving ourselves if we say that it isn't. We lose our jobs too. We lose our marriages too. We lose our children. We lose our loved ones. We get the same bad news. We suffer depression too. And what makes us able to cope with this is not just this hope that someday it won't be like this. It's that there are resources available for us now in this dominion that is right next to us. That some of you keep waiting to see. It's there. Reach in and take it. Somebody asked Chesterton one time, what would you do if I told you the Son of God was standing right behind you? Chesterton went. He is. You're that close. Go get it. Second, if I can reach into heaven and pull things out for this world, then that means what happens in this world affects what happens in heaven. Oh man, I don't have to sit there and shout my prayers to the sky and hope I can get God to pay attention. God is already paying attention because he is as resident on earth as I am. Now my prayers are heard before I say them. In fact, when the Spirit prays them, they are heard. And what's happening to me right now matters to the heavens. A couple weeks ago, I came to the office and I was trying to um, process all of these things that were happening for us, to us, in us. And I could not. I was wading through the Gospels and I came into that very familiar passage in Luke 22 where 
Jesus was getting ready to leave and Peter in typical fashion was overestimating his loyalty. He said, no, I'll go with you to prison. Everybody else leaves you. No, no, I will never leave you. Jesus, knowing that he would be the first to leave. And I had a voice inside me say, uh, while I was rolling my eyes at Peter, say, um, Steve, do you think you have ever overestimated your loyalty to me? Do you think maybe I know things about you that you don't know? Then, when I kept reading, he said, Simon, Simon, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat, but I've prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And when you return, strengthen the brothers. Later that morning, I called my sister on the phone and I said, uh, you know, this has nothing to do with nothing, but I was just uh, in my own world this morning early, and this is what I read. I read that the Son of God is actually worried that my faith would fail. I'd never considered that. And I read that because of that, he was praying right now. My name was being mentioned in a conversation I was not part of. And because he was praying, I'd make it. I had no chance, except he was praying. And when I said it, my sister, she started to cry. I could hear it on the phone, and she said, uh, you know, I was up at about 4 or 5 in the morning praying that my faith would not fail. Those were the very words I used. Dear God, don't let my faith fail. And now, a few hours later, you tell me that the Son of God has mentioned my name in a conversation I was not part of. And because of that conversation, I'm going to be all right. It changed the morning. Heaven reacts, responds when earth cries out because they're not too far apart. Last, I have tremendous hope because of this. Tremendous hope. If Jesus has gone into heaven and taken me with him, then my citizenship is in heaven. Paul said in Philippians 3 verse 20, and that means I await a savior to come from there. And one day, said Paul, he will transform my lowly body, what he called the body of humiliation, so that it becomes like his own glorious body. And because my citizenship is in heaven, it may not yet be clear 
what I shall be, but I know this, that when he appears, I'll be like him. Because my citizenship is in heaven one day when they lay my body into the ground, it will not be a getting rid of. It will be, said Paul, like the planting of a seed. It will be planted perishable, but it will rise imperishable. Planted in dishonor, risen in glory. Planted in weakness, raised in power. Planted a natural body, raised, said Paul, a spiritual body. If Jesus has gone to heaven and taken me with him, then my Redeemer lives. And one day when my flesh has been destroyed, I will see him with my own eyes. In my flesh, said Job, I'll see him. I, and not somebody else, Oh, how my heart longs for this. If Jesus has gone into heaven and taken me with him, then I am being transformed right now with ever-increasing glory into his likeness. I never sang about heaven in my 20s. because I didn't think I needed it. I thought about heaven hardly at all. But now, I look back and wonder if heaven was all I wanted. I just didn't know it. I was chasing every other thing which were only sense, smells of heaven but not heaven itself. C.S. Lewis wrote, so it seems that we are on the outside of heaven, the wrong side of the door. We discern the freshness and the purity of the morning, but they do not make us fresh and pure. We cannot mingle with the splendors we see, and yet the leaves of the New Testament are rustling with the rumor that it will not always be so. Someday, God willing, we will get in. And when our souls have become as perfect in their voluntary obedience, as inanimate creation is in its lifeless obedience, then we will put on glory forever. Wish I'd have known that earlier. You have a chance right now to discuss um, as much of this as you caught.
Some of you, I realize, are comfortable right now, and you don't need to think much about this, and that's okay. Close the laptop in a moment, and I guess you're done for the day. But if you do, if you want to go further than you are right now, you can only do that if you have a discussion with somebody around you. There's no experts in the room. Nobody in the room right now has been physically in their own body to heaven. So don't worry about getting answers wrong. It's important for you to have the discussion. To guide that discussion, we've put three questions in front of you. The first is when you think of heaven, what part do you like the most? And what might that tell you about your own longings? What you're lacking now. Second, what did you hear today about heaven that gave you hope or encouragement? And, and what might some implications of that be on the way that you work or worship or pray or relate with your family? And third, if you think of Christ interceding for you right now, What do you think he might be praying for? Have you ever wondered? Or did you just leave that up to him? And do you want that for yourself? Can I pray before you discuss, Father, in heaven? Holy is your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Oh God, most of us grew up wanting to go to heaven after we die. But now, we want to go to heaven before we die. We want something of heaven to be more permanent and real in our lives. Use these discussions, I pray. May truth and the Spirit himself arise from the things that your people have said, the shared wisdom of being together. In Jesus' name.